Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another edition of the Curtain Call podcast. My name is Michael Beck, your deputy editor over at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And I'm joined as, by always, the one great film guru himself, Mr. <laughs> Jeffrey Benedict. Jeffrey, how are you doing tonight, sir? I'm doing really good tonight, Michael. I'm doing good. I'm also doing quite well. We are at the very end of our draft series, so it means it's time to pivot before we get uh, back to Know Your Enemy and bring in guests, which will be exciting. Uh, There will be more guests as the weeks come on, but this will just be a a solo show with uh, Jeffrey and myself. Uh, So we're just hanging out tonight, kind of breaking down the offseason. In the coming weeks, we'll get into uh, some stuff on Matt Canada and kind of round up... uh, the rest of the division, see what everyone else is up to and kind of uh, where the Steelers stand, Pat, when it comes to uh, to all of it, really. Uh, but in essence of tonight's show and uh, just really getting right into the nitty gritty of it all, Jeffrey, um, I'm curious your thoughts on this offseason. What was the very biggest loss that this team suffered? Probably in my mind. Uh, knowing that David DeCastro was hurt and isn't back from injury yet, I'm actually going to go with Marquise Pouncey. That's uh, because, really, my point on him this entire time has been the best thing we could get back for the line we're going to have next year with all the youth is leadership. And Pouncey was a heck of a leader, not just for you know the offensive line, but for the whole team. Uh, so even while his pounce, his play wasn't quite what it was, I would have loved to have Pouncey back. Yeah, that one, especially now, really stings. We know Kendrick Green has some of that uh, leadership qualities in him, but as a rookie, it really, it, 
and in my experience, even if you're a leader at a different level, when you're new in a system, you're not really, well, the second you kind of speak up a little too much, especially if it's too soon, you get thrown to the back very quickly. So I don't really expect any of the rookies to uh, really share their voice too much because it, it doesn't really make much sense. Uh, we know Zach Banner's the funny guy. Chooks a core force, kind of like the, the quiet guy. Dotson, I, I think that's another quiet guy, uh, relatively. I'm curious your thoughts, because I know you've watched some film on Trey Turner. Were, were you able to pick up any sort of leadership uh, stuff within him? Is he that guy at all, or is this offense line kind of missing that voice entirely? Uh, I don't know anything about what he's like in the locker room, but I can tell you on the field when he was healthy, and especially uh, when he was in the early days in Carolina before they they changed their system a lot, uh, he was a leader on the field in setting like the tone of the game. And that was something you always got from Pouncey. If other players were kind of not in it, Pouncey would go out of his way to like push, you know, push the line of playing to the whistle really like aggravate even the other team. So it was the point of like, you know, get a little fight going, get something going that will get the other players to step up. Uh, Trey Turner had that kind of impact in a game. So I think he could be that kind of on the field, you know, drives the nastiness kind of guy, you know, get, get the rest of the guys going. I think he's that kind of a leader. And vodka drinker in the live chat here. I haven't seen that uh, name in a while. Uh, he tunes in with, I'm tired of the good guys. I'm ready for our O-line to be mean and nasty. Do you think Do you think the Steelers have put together a group like that? Is this going to be a, a mean, physical group? I think so. I think they're getting there. Uh, it's going to be, it's, it's interesting thinking of Zach Banner being nasty and mean like well you know you know his off field personality is kind of a big teddy bear and but on the field he's like i'm gonna i'm gonna push people around and that's really that's really what we're talking about we're not talking about like poking someone in the eye or you know dirty shots and stuff like that we're talking about finish the play we're talking about push people around manhandle somebody if you get a chance slam them on the ground make them think twice about mixing it up with you again uh, last last year with the positional blocking, man, there's 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 plays where you just see David DeCastro like get in the way of a linebacker, and that's enough. And he's looking to see, okay, did they get past me? All right, I'll let him go. Like, come on, like that that dude, that dude, you have a, almost a hundred pounds on that guy. Go go take him out of the play. So with this O line and really kind of tie a bow on, on the O line stuff itself, do you think? I know that obviously it was one of the worst units in football last year. It's especially when there's injuries and Hassenauer was on the field and a lot of that dipped. Do you think this group got better basically addition by subtraction in some sense, just based on some of the guys they lost alone? Did that make them better? Because now they don't really have to start an expensive Alejandro Villanueva uh, losing David to Castro. Is that just, like a, a whatever thing now because he was kind of losing his flame. Marquise Pouncey, was he taking steps back? Is addition by subtraction a fair way to assess this offensive line? Um, probably, probably not. Uh, I think, I think the change they wanted to make necessitated it. Uh, Matt Filer doesn't fit what they're heading towards. You know, David DeCastro injured doesn't really fit that. Alejandro Villanueva doesn't fit what they're trying to go towards. So. In that regard, to fit the new scheme, I'd say, yeah, it's some addition by subtraction. But 
But mostly, I think I think you hit it when you when you said the money. You know, these guys were making compared to what we're paying for the offensive line now. I think what you saw is a year where the salary cap dipped, pushed the Steelers to move on from people a year early rather than holding on to them a year longer. Like if David DeCastro was going to be, they were going to be like, well, he's not going to be ready, maybe for six weeks, and the Steelers had cap room, then he's a guy you you hold on to. And you say, all right, we've, we've got these guys. They can fill in for six weeks, and then David Castro's back, and we can make a push for the playoffs with David DeCastro there. So more than anything, I, I think it's a case where, you know, the, the addition by subtraction is, is the added flexibility that money gave the Steelers because that was necessary. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree on that. Um, I'm also really excited to see this scheme fit because there's some mean dudes. Aside from Chooks, who's more the pass blocker, I'd say, of the group, the other four guys are just physical, mean. It's going to be exciting to watch them run the ball. But outside well, of the oh, – sorry, go ahead. With, the, with, uh, with what they're heading to in Canada schemes, I've been doing a whole film series on Matt Canada's offense in college. One thing that stands out is how important guard to guard, guard center guard is in Matt Canada's scheme. And that's how the Steelers build lines. They're always guard center guard, and then our tackles need to be good. But we want like we want great interior line play, and then we're okay with like decent to good tackle play, and and for really for Matt Cannon's scheme, that's what's important. So it's going to be interesting to see how that interior line and that nastiness with under Adrian Clem really go. Because if they do well, if they grow and they are a bullying group and that inside, Matt Canada's offense can flourish. And. It's also worth noting the rest of the skill positions for this offense. I really, I guess the the only loss they have is James Connor, who they're replaced with their first round pick. We, well, I'll get into that in a little bit, but sticking with the losses defensively, the Steelers suffered just as much offensive losses as they did on their offensive line. Of course, Bud Dupree, Mike Hilton, and Steven Nelson being the the, the biggest names there. Which of those three guys do you think they're going to miss the most? And do you think that they'd be able to survive losing all three of them? I think they'll survive it. Uh, I still think Bud Dupree create adds such question marks to the defense simply because they have been so prolific as a pass rush unit, but they still can't put together a stretch of games where in a season where their pass rush keeps up that, you know, over three sack pace when Bud Dupree isn't on the field. They haven't done it yet. With or without TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Stephon it. they haven't done it yet. So if we're going to hit 50 sacks, if we're going to hit 51 sacks, because it's 17 games now, uh, next season, they've got to overcome that. They've got to show that, okay, you know what? Bud Dupree wasn't that key. Because if they're sitting there at like 49 sacks at the end of the year, then it's Bud Dupree. Uh, I think I think Mike Hilton, you can change the scheme. Mike Hilton is a guy you designed a lot of plays around. You just you don't have to blitz your nickelbacker. You, know, you don't have to blitz the nickel corner. Uh, and Steven Nelson, Cameron Sutton's ready to take over that role. Again, it's it's that like you're getting 80% of the talent and skill for you know less than half the cost. I had a feeling you were going to say that exact line when it came to Stephen Nelson and Cam Sutton. We've had a few conversations off air regarding that. So I am glad you did bring it up. But uh, 
Well, when it comes, you you mentioned uh, those nickel corner blitzing blitzes. They they don't really have the the personnel unless we we haven't seen a guy do it before that we don't know of. It seems like that guy isn't there. So, do you anticipate that kind of portion of the playbook just being scrapped altogether? In nickel, I think you'll see that. Uh, Arthur Molette has a chance if he wins the nickel job. He's not a bad blitzer. Uh, I'd be interested to see James Pierre, see what he can bring on a blitz. But again, we there's no guarantees there. Uh, Miles Killebrew can blitz a little. But Are but these guys, it's like sending Terrell Edmonds. You yeah. know, it's like sending Terrell Edmonds. It's not, it's not Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton was a dynamic blitzer that offenses had to account for. And you could shut him down by accounting for him, but the reason they would send him, because if you're accounting for Mike Hilton, you know who's one-on-one? On the opposite side of the field, usually, T.J. Watt. Like, you can't account for Mike Hilton and double T.J. Watt. And if you're doing that, then the guy who's blocking Mike Hilton or the back, whoever's doing that, is sending a Robert Spillane right up the middle. It, it's just, it set off so much that our blitz just could build off of and steamroll when he was when he was doing those. I, I think this is kind of a thing where where if you've got someone who doesn't bring that level of blitzing, then are they actually worth blitzing? Are they worth the big plays you're randomly going to give up when you do send too many people for the big plays you make when you send Mike Hilton? Because yeah, you made that- they made a lot more plays sending Mike Hilton than they lost. You're definitely right on that, and that is a good point. And this next part, not Steelers related anymore, but uh, I think it's still worth asking about uh, Mike Hilton specifically. Do you have any faith the Bengals will actually use him properly, or are they going to stick him out on an island, make him cover guys, and do all the wrong things? Because at the end of the day, the Steelers play them twice, so we've also seen the Bengals not use guys properly in the past. Do you think? Yeah. Uh, do you think that's something Mike Hilton should be worried about? I think that is that is one of my things to watch because they have a new head coach, right? Uh, he's a very different approach than the old guys where they were like, ooh, that's a good player. Bring him in and we'll put him somewhere, you know, doesn't whether it fits or not. Uh, if they use Mike Hilton, well, I'm not confident they will. But if they do, that's going to be something else. I, I doubt he's going to be blitzing like he was with the Steelers. He blitzed a lot with us and uh, – they don't, I don't think they have the personnel to do that. But on the other hand, they have one of the best cover one free safeties in the NFL. In uh, just forgot Jesse his Bates. name. Not, Jess, yeah. yeah. Bates. Yeah. Bates. Uh, so they can do it. They can clearly do it because that's what the Steelers do. They just run cover one man and blitz Mike Hilton. They just run a blitz. Uh, so they can do it. They have that kind of personnel. Um, they just have to actually do it, and I will be surprised to see if Cincinnati does. Are you at all disappointed that this David DeCastro news didn't come out sooner so they could keep one of these uh, free agent uh, defenders that they lost? That is kind of, that is that is a good question. Um, see, I like I actually really like a lot of the moves. Uh, like I would have loved to have kept Bud Dupree, but then what are you doing with Alex Highsmith? Alex Highsmith is ready to play, right? Are you going to sit him and, and waste a bunch of his rookie contract, you know, sitting there playing behind Bud Dupree and TJ Watt being the number three guy? Uh, I love Mike Hilton. You know, 
but we got we got guys like James Pierre. You know, Mike Hilton's probably the the, the one that's going to be the hardest to recover from. Uh, Cameron Sutton is perfect to fill in for Steven Nelson. There's there's just there's moves like that. So I I I don't know. Probably Mike Hilton. I would have kept Mike Hilton. Um, so yeah, that would have been nice. You could have you could have thrown Mike Hilton some money. But at the same point, you know, you'd be in the same place you are now. You just have better cornerback depth. And I think, you know, I wonder, like, do they bring in an Arthur Millette? And if they don't, then you're paying more money. Your depth still looks the same. You just have Mike Hilton there. You're still tied to the same, like, blitzing system and everything. I, Yeah, I'd take it, but I don't think it's that big of a difference. So if we if we had cut David DeCastro earlier – you know, maybe we just spend more money on the online. Maybe we bring in a center too. You know, maybe we bring in a higher end center instead of drafting one. And according to some insiders, the Steelers were totally in the market for one of the top free agent centers. <laughs> yeah. But um, to, speaking of Steelers in free agency, don't really have to spend too much time on it because they really didn't add anyone super noteworthy. Um, out of the guys they brought in, like we can even include Dwayne Haskins, BJ Finney, uh, Joe Haig, uh, Arthur Molay, Miles Killebrew. That's that's basically the, the guys they signed. It, it, any of them kind of jump off the paper to you that you're like, okay, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited to see this guy uh, go to work. Arthur Molay. I am I am interested in watching him. I liked his film. I think he is a good fit for what Terrell Austin's been doing in the secondary. Um, so I like Arthur Malay. I could, I could see him being like a super backup who plays every position. I could see him being a backup, the number three safety that can play in some heavier, you know, in some dime positions. But if you look at his size, he's five foot nine, one ninety. He plays bigger than that. Uh, I think he very well could be that nickelback starting the season. Um, he, he could be nickel. He could be dime. He's going to be a factor. He is going to get snaps. Uh, I like him. I think he's going to be a good addition. As for myself on this one, uh, there, other than Mollette, there's no one that's really like eye popping to me. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll take the, the, the easy one, say Dwayne Haskins, who's, who's probably the, the behind the steel curtain.com favorite to win the Isaac Redmond. Uh, Red Zone Redmond Award uh, for uh, preseason MVP. Uh, that, that'd be my uh, betting uh, odds favorite at, at this point because uh, I think a lot of people are just going to be interested in watching him play. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know if this guy's ever going to do anything for the Steelers. It, it, it's a reclamation project that's like a one out of 100, like a blindfolded dart throw. Sure, there's a chance you'll hit a bullseye, but it's not very likely. So free agency for the Steelers this year, we knew it was going to suck. There's nothing really to be super excited about, despite some rumors that we thought maybe something would get done. It never did. So uh, out of the moves they made, there's nothing that I'm very excited about. But that same kind of hesitancy towards enjoying what they did in free agency can be kind of uh, mirrored by excitement from the draft. Because I, I think the Steelers had a very good draft for themselves. And uh, they really acquired a bunch of players that have uh, opportunities to play a lot. So to kind of transition in the draft stuff now, I'm curious your thoughts on how many of these rookies, and before I even go any further, I will say I'll have a full-length article over on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com dropping on Wednesday, or on Thursday, rather, 
um, for uh, rookies playing time and their expectations for the 2021 season. But Jeffrey, I'm going to throw that question to you, whether or not you think uh, how many of these nine guys, these nine draft picks will actually make a significant impact in 2021. Okay. Significant impact. Like, like notable enough, like, like they, they play a, a enough, good chunk yeah. of snaps. I'm going to go with obviously Harris green. Uh, Second round pick. I'm blanking Friar on Muth. <laughs> Pat Friar Friar Muth. Muth. Yeah, those three have to. Right? They absolutely have to. If they don't, then what are you doing? Um the fourth after round picks that you got Dan Moore uh Jr., Buddy Johnson in the fourth round, then Isaiah Loudermilk and Quincy Roche, and Trey Norwood and Presley Harvin the third. Okay, Pre- Presley Harvin the third. So that's four. Four. I'm going to go with uh, Harris, Fryermuth, Green, and Harvin the third. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. I, I think there's a good chance that Buddy Johnson, uh, by the end of the year, is pushing for some linebacker snaps. Uh, I, I think he's just he, he does a lot of the things that Vince Williams did, but he's more athletic. So I think there could be a good shot that he makes some impact on special teams that he could step in and start making some plays now and then. Will he be the starter? I, I doubt it, uh, but I, I think at some point he has a very good chance to. The other name I'm kind of interested in, I, I will bring up Quincy Roche as well until the Steelers bring in another outside linebacker, which I, at some point I feel like they, they have to. It, and now as long as it's it's been, it'll probably be a move that happens after training camp, but I, I feel like that's one of the inevitable ones. But uh, Trey Norwood – I think Mike Tomlin, the way he spoke glowingly about him, especially when they uh, draft him and call him a Swiss Army knife, Mike Tomlin specifically calls out the pick. The Steelers have a, a lot of space when it comes to uh, being a backup safety, uh, pushing for nickel corner spots, being the primary backup corner as it is. I guess James Pierce probably got a, a pretty firm grip on that. But behind him, there really isn't anyone jumping the forefront. I think Trey Norwood could be a name to watch as well. But uh, the four guys you named, I think, will have probably the biggest impact. Uh, aside from that, do you like this class? Was this a good draft class by the Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh yeah, yeah. I I like it. I like I like almost all of the picks. Um, once they drafted Kendrick Green, I got to see his film, and I was like, okay, I see what they were seeing getting this guy in the third round, I was okay with it. You know, I was a little bit panicked over the center position. Um, we were both we were both expecting a free agent. And when that didn't happen, I was like, all right, now you have to draft one. And they were like, no, do we? Do we really? We can wait till round three. You know, that's that's no big deal. Uh and it worked. So I'm I'm very happy with the draft. I like the I like the the additions to the team. Yeah. And to to kind of build off your center comment uh, before the draft of course uh, Mike Tomlin and Kevin Colbert ha- held that press conference where they specifically said like oh there's centers we like uh in the in the middle rounds of the draft and looking back on it now we we knew the guy they liked was Kendrick Green and they went out and got him so in that sense I'm excited about it because I think the Steelers got the guy they really wanted to be yeah. the guy regardless like I think if any of the centers were there uh, when the Steelers picked in the second round, they wouldn't have taken him. Uh, like Creed Humphrey yeah. was there 
for example, I, I think they would have went Fryermuth no matter what, especially when you take into consideration the tight ends of this draft. You had, you had Pitts at the top, who is by far the best tight end of the class, and then you had Fryermuth and then a huge drop-off. So I can totally understand the order the Steelers made their picks, and I think they still got their guy in the middle. The, well, absolutely. The, if you take all of the centers that, that were good this season and you compare them to Marquise Pouncey's film, right? The one you're going to get the closest to what Marquise Pouncey had is Kendrick Green. Kendrick Green is like a Marquise Pouncey 2.0. It's like he's, he's, he's the B movie version of Marquise Pouncey. And so, you know, can he develop and be that level of player? Probably not the level of Marquise Pouncey, but he can replace him. And he can be very good doing it and probably do that for a long time. So, yeah, he, he makes so much sense. But he just wasn't on our radar until until they took him. And then all of a sudden, I know a few people were like, oh, there's still Kendrick Green. And I was like, he played guard. Like, what are you talking about? And I never, I just never looked him up. I never really did film on him. Yeah, it's it's classic Steelers to uh, to mine someone out of the draft. And we then we look at him, someone completely off our radar. And we're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Why, why didn't we see this guy, like, months ago? Yeah. But like, there you go. Like Deontay Johnson in the third round a couple years ago. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And even Chase Claypool to a, to a degree in 2020. Um, I only yeah. knew him because I knew him. But, like, outside of that, like, I, I didn't think he was going to be a second-round pick. Yeah. And he uh, goes and you're like, wait, who is this guy? And then you start watching this film and you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's see what they were doing. Exactly. Now – the biggest pick of this year's draft, though, of course, your first-round pick, the most predictable first-round pick the Steelers made since their last first-round pick when they traded up for Devin Bush, who I, I don't know will fit into today's video because there's some stuff I suppose you could talk about with old Devin Bush. But uh, today we're talking about this offseason, and we're going to talk about Najee Harris here. Do you think him alone, Najee Harris, can fix the Steelers' running game? Heck, even if we said we we take it back to the 2020 season, if you just plucked Najee Harris and put him on that team last year, would, would that have changed anything? Is he that much better than James Conner? Well, first off, I'm going to take offense to you saying that was the biggest pick of the draft. Um, Presley Harvin the third was the most important. That was our favorite biggest... pick. It's, it's different. <laughs> Favorite pick. <laughs> anytime you take a punter, man. Anytime. Anyways, I'm kidding. Uh, Najee Harris, uh, he is going to do a lot to turn this around. Again, we had just talked about the offensive line, and I was saying uh, about Matt Canada and how important power running up the middle is in his offenses and how much it opens up things for the rest of his offense to work, especially the jet sweep. Like, if you can run inside – enough that teams really have to focus on your interior run game, that jet sweep is so much more dangerous. And if that jet sweep is dangerous, that opens up so many things he does with passes and play action passes and with all kinds of little, the little uh, shovel passes underneath for those like halfback counter, you know, runs up the middle that are passes sometimes. All of that opens up if the interior run game is strong enough that the jet sweeps are a threat. And we saw last season when that interior run became kind of a joke, when David DeCastro was playing hurt, you have Benny Snell and James Conner not running smartly. Marquise Pouncey isn't quite himself. 
Uh, Matt Filer was not good on the inside zone runs. He was just, he didn't communicate and work well with teammates. He was much better on just, you know, there's your guy driving back. He could do that. Uh, when that was all going on, the interior run game fell apart and the jet sweeps were nothing. They weren't a threat anymore. And it, it, it's easy to say, yeah, they adapted to that. But also, if the interior run game is going, they can't make those adaptations. They can't sit a linebacker and a safety out there because then they're exposed in the middle. So to me, running up the middle is huge. And Najee Harris is going to make a huge difference there. James Conner is not a up-the-middle runner. He's not that guy. He is a cut-back, off-tackle kind of runner. Uh, he's much better outside. He loves breaking plays to the outside. He loves running backside cuts. He's not an up-the-middle runner. And the other thing you need in Matt Canada's offense is that guy who is that up-the-middle runner also needs to be fast enough and versatile enough that he can be a receiver. And he can run some outside stuff that, that you you know, you know don't expect. And even motion him to a receiver and then run a jet sweep with him. Like You're going to be able to do all of that with Harris. And a lot of that you just can't do with Benny Snell, who's our best interior runner. So if you're going to base everything around the inside run game, you need a guy who can do that and then also bring you some other traits as well. And that's Harris. That's Najee Harris. Uh, so I do think he is going to make an enormous difference, uh, especially if that young, young line and the interior line that's all rebuilt actually has some nastiness. If they start getting some of that nastiness going and they're springing Naj Najee Harris and Najee Harris is taking, you know, they give him an inch and he takes six inches. They give him two yards and he takes six and he breaks one for eight yards, 10 yards. And he's, he, he's actually moving the chains on what they're able to give him. You're going to get even more from that O-line. They're going to get going. They're going to get rolling. They're going to build confidence. They're going to block harder. And you're going to see, you know, good things happen on this offense. The last part of your question is, would he have made a difference last season? And I, I'm i going to go with yes to a certain degree. He would have been better than what we had. But at points in that season when David DeCastro really couldn't move people and J.C. Hassenhauer is starting at center, you're not running up the middle. Like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. He would have brought more than what we had uh, but not a lot more. There wasn't there because this wasn't room for that much more. Now we are getting close to our break, but I, I do want to expand on this a little bit more. Now the run game specifically, it, it just just say it does work as well as we're kind of foreseeing it for the, this kind of scheme and offense line we have now, and of course the the other pieces we have in place. Do you think an improved running game will correct some of Ben Roethlisberger's mistakes? Absolutely. I think that's the biggest benefit. Uh, I don't think you're going to see this team be a top five rushing team. Those those teams all have two or three runners, either a really good number two running back or a quarterback who's gaining a bunch of yards. That's that's where you see those. Ben Roethlisberger is not going to run for anything. Uh, Benny Snell and Anthony – if Anthony McFarland shows out and is able to be like a an 800-yard rusher, like I mean like – legit doing stuff, then yeah, this team could be top five, but I doubt that's going to happen. I don't see that happening. So really, I think the big benefit you're going to see from the run game is defenses having to be accountable to the run game and not being able to sit back 
into passing lanes, into the the slot and the hook routes, not being able to to throw a linebacker, you know, into the slant route, right where right where they want to put Chase Claypool, and be like, no, we're going to take that away with a guy who should be stopping the run because we're not in any way, shape, or form afraid of your run game. That's where it's going to help, uh, and it's also going to help slow down the pass rush. And if you can slow down the pass rush and you can give Ben Roethlisberger 2.5 seconds to throw the ball, he's a far better quarterback. And when he has two seconds or less to throw the ball, it's not good. All right. So it is the top of the first half hour of our show. We will transition to the second part, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Ben Roethlisberger, this coaching staff, and just some other uh, general thoughts about this offseason and how and basically what it all means for the 2021 regular season. So if you're listening on your podcast platforms, you can switch over to part two now. And if you're listening on YouTube or Facebook, just hang tight. We will be back in just a minute. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.